Totem Talks hits her like a pot on a cast. Beautifully done. <laughs> Thank you. Took Thank me you. a second, and then I was Ooh. fully in. Yeah, I mean, I, I was really worried there. I was like, should I just go for the key? Yeah. That, right. uh, she sing- and I was like, you know what? No. I don't think that's a smart <laughs> yeah. plan for anyone that's, involved. That's much less of a key for you. <laughs> yeah. Anyone who doesn't know what we're talking about will we'll know soon enough. Yeah, I of course, of course. Uh, but anyway, welcome in, everybody, to another episode of Totem Talks. Uh, this is Season 6, Episode 6. And uh, that is what it is. is That's that right. Not... That's right, right? Okay. That's right. Oh, all right. We got them, boys. We got them. Pull back. We're good. <laughs> we got the episode number right. I just double checked, but yeah, we're good. <laughs> I double checked before we started, and I put it up in the in the uh, the title for the live Ooh. video, which y'all should come and check out. Uh, we typically knock on wood. I'm not going to do that for the audio. We'll stream it on Thursdays. Uh, 5.30-ish Eastern Time on twitch.tv slash totem talks, <clears throat> which, you know, we got a couple uh, a couple viewers, a couple listeners right now, yeah. and it's all a good time, hanging out, having a blast. That's right. If you want to see our lovely, majestic faces. Yes. And they Nick's silly fan. It's also lovely and majestic. <laughs> you know what, Nick? <clears throat> Why don't you go ahead and tell our... Uh, our lovely listeners who we're covering today. I would love to. So today's uh, episode was Women in Indie Rock, and we are matching up Florence and the Machine against Slater Kinney in what is sure to be a no-holds-barred contest. Yes, a battle the for the ages. Yes, to the death, of of course. <laughs> I have I have Florence here with me now. She's got the gloves on. We're ready to go. <sighs> I don't know how uh, we convinced them to do that. <laughs> Could you imagine that would that no. might give us some class? That would that would really change the whole dynamic of this show if the artists That's had true. to appear in person and then fight to the death. Oh my gosh, I'm in. I'm fully invested in this performance though now. Oh man, all the classic rock acts that we cover and you know, just like 75 year old people just. All right, now you're making it sad. It's sad. It's a little this sad. This week it would have been fine. <laughs> this These week would have been both... fine. Much yeah, more we could totally with just fully bread and circuses this. It would be totally fine watching yeah. these these women kill each other. <laughs> Keith is very invested in this idea. It, well. Yeah, well, at least somebody is. <clears throat> All right. Well, okay. I think I think we've rambled enough into senseless nonsense. Let's go ahead and uh, and pull back the reins with Florence and the Machine. So Florence and the Machine are an English indie rock band that formed in London in 2007. And they've been active ever since. Uh, we covered three albums. We started with Lungs, their debut album, which came out in 2009. We followed that up with Ceremonials, which came out in 2011. And then we closed it out with Dance Fever from 2022. And uh, I guess Florence is my... You. She's your artist. If you want to go first, that doesn't matter. Yeah, I'll go first. I'll do it. I'll All do right. it. That's kind of the way we've been working it. It is. So, uh, yeah, I'll get us started with Lungs. I'll tell you what. Something happened in Lungs that is the one of the scariest moments for me in any artist that we listen to. And it's their big hit is the first song on the first album. Mm-hmm. So it opens with Dog Days Are Over, <clears throat> which, of course, you just heard my lovely rendition in the right. intro. Uh, and so I'm immediately like... Half of me is like, oh, cool, bop into the song. The other half is like, oh, crap. What's to come? What's next? <clears throat> and I'll tell you, Florence and the Machine is really an interesting group for me <clears throat> because I feel like sometimes they're one of those bands that fights what made them famous. Mm. And on this album, I get that. Like, you know, Dog Days Are Over is a big song, but a lot of these songs on here don't have that same like super indie feel uh and are maybe a little more a little more pop than indie in some ways but but and i can't stress this enough <clears throat> i really enjoy this album i i think i really enjoy the musicians all working together i think you can really tell and i mean they say it in interviews and stuff this is a group that has been playing together for a long time before this album came out 
So I know like it says 2007 was uh, the the birth of Florence and the Machine. And so that's about two years. And I feel, you know, you have that tightness to them. Uh, and I, I mean, Florence Welch's voice is so lilty and pure in, in most songs. I mean, Dog Days is a great example of it. But in most of these songs, uh, like Between Two Lungs, Cosmic Love, uh, Howl was a really good one as well. You could just hear a lot of talent and a lot of polish also for a younger group and their first album. And uh, that's all I have to say about that for now. I have a negative, sure. but I'm going to wait until you're done. Okay, fair enough. Um, I, I largely agree with you. I, I really enjoyed this record. Um, obviously, I knew Dog Days Are Over. Uh, I also knew their version of You've Got the Love. Um, both really well done. Florence Welch has a killer voice. I mean, you, yeah. you were kind of dancing around saying this. She's super talented as a singer. I really enjoy listening to her sing. Uh, and, and I'll tell you what. The only reason I was dancing around it, I'll spoiler alert, is because I think it gets stronger as we go. Sure. Uh, and, and here's the thing that was, that was really interesting for me. And, and you kind of mentioned the it's like an indie, but maybe a drift pop. Florence and the Machine sounds like Florence and the Machine. Here, this is, and I'm going to start getting repetitive as we go through the albums. But you listen to this group, and you're like, okay, well, they don't really have a bassist. There's vocals, and there's some backing vocals, and a lot of it's percussion. You hear some piano, a little guitar sometimes, and they ha- actually have a harpist who plays with them on a lot of the songs. It's such a unique lineup, and they're one of the bands, and not every band can do this, where no matter what the song is. It sounds unique, difficult to classify, but very clearly Florence and the Machine. Yes. Every song, I'm like, that's Florence and the Machine. That's their sound. I don't know exactly what that sound is, but I know it's them. Yeah. And I think that's a really great thing for a band to have. And that's one of the reasons why I enjoyed this record so much. And it's also one of the reasons why I was a little bit nervous going into ceremonials. Okay. Now, I know you're about to go into ceremonials. I do real quick want to talk about the one negative I have for this, and it's going to sure, come up. Lyrically, there's one song that just really was icky to me, uh, and it's Kiss with a Fist. Mm-hmm. So it it has some lyrics. So there's a, there's a musical, Nick. It's called Carousel. Sure, sure. And there's a song and a line in Carousel, and it was... Did you ever have a touch that felt like a kiss? I believe is the exact quote. And in the show, they've been calling a punch a touch. Okay. And a woman says it about the man she's in love with. And it's very weird. And Kiss with a Fist has that exact same vibe for a lot of it. Now, reading the lyrics, other than listening to it, it looks like maybe it's they're talking like she's talking about in an, a more ironic way and like mm-hmm. talking about how maybe it's not good, which I would really like. Yeah, of course. <clears throat> and and I also think that sometimes artistically you kind of dis- just describe emotional situations sure. as a writer, as a, which is not the same thing as an endorsement. Obviously. Totally. I, and I don't think she endorses it. I'm not, of course I'm not calling for that. Yeah. The lyrics just really were awkward to me. I mean, I'll, I'll just real quick. So the, the chorus is, a kick to the teeth is good for some. A kiss with a fist is better than none. Oh, a kiss with a fist is better than none, which is what really reminded me of that carousel line, that line sure. right there. It's the same vibe. Yeah. So That's just true. that was, if I had to have a real negative for an album, I mostly really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. It's the song Kiss with a Fist. Sure. Fair enough. Which I also thought was stylistically different than a lot of their other songs, at least yes. musically speaking, which was kind of interesting. But anyway, like I said, I, I kind of had a reservation going into the second record because as I'm looking at the track listing before I start, now, right away, this is their second record, and Florence is co-writing all of these songs with big-time producers now, like big-time pop producers like Paul Epworth and Egg White. And I'm like, oh, no. Is how this, quickly? Yeah, how quickly things are going to change into like that more mindless feeling pop. But I, I don't really think that that happens here because again, I think the strength of this album is song to song, piece to piece. Every song very strongly feels like Florence and the machine. It's maybe slightly different from the first one, but also similar stylistically. And even though you get variation from track to track, this doesn't sound like anything else other than who they are. 
And if you can pull that off, even when working with producers, and I think, you know, maybe that's largely Florence and she has a vision and she knows what she wants her music to sound like and she'll have other people's ideas and input and help. But at the end of the day, if they don't feel like Florence and the Machine songs, then she's not going to go with it. And I think you get that here. I mean, this is a group that, you know, I really like. It's not my favorite band in the entire world. But I hear a really distinct personality. I hear a really distinct sound. I hear a band definitely that while they might have some poppy influences, they are definitely uh, following what they want to do. They are they are being the artists that they want to be as opposed to, um, you know, what they might feel that they need to be financially. Yeah, I totally get that. <clears throat> Uh, I mean, listen, I, I agree with a lot of what you're saying. I did see the producers come in and, uh, really, which is, I guess what their job always is, but rarely happens, I think, is rather than these producers coming in and overtaking the pop and overtaking the sound of Florence and mainstreaming it. They just, it felt like they came in and just enhanced in the right places, mm-hmm. which is what producers should do. And to give Paul Epworth a little bit of credit, the artist that Paul Epworth works with, typically, all I feel like he's good at that. Sure. I mean, he's worked yeah. with Adele, he's worked with right. Rihanna. So, like, he works with people who have a tone and a sound to them, and you know mm-hmm. who they are. Right. And kind of elevates their signature sound, which some producers don't. <clears throat> right. Uh, as far as this album goes, uh, just factually, we'll say it did have another really big hit for Florence and the Machine. Shake It Out mm-hmm. was all over radio waves and multiple films and everything when it came out. And uh, also a really good song. I don't know if it's quite Dog Days Are Over. Sure, sure. But it's a really good song. And I think th- like it just it really holds up to me. Like You've really, really leaned in and mentioned the uniqueness of the group and yeah. their sound. I think... I completely agree with you on that. And really just an enjoyable sound with, I think, two years elevated vocals Yeah, from Florence herself because she is she's coming so in strong. Yeah, yeah she's, she's fantastic. Yeah, and I think, I mean, she's, she's this came out in 2011. Uh, she, I believe, is 36 now, so it's 24. Correct, yep, just double-checked. Yeah, so she's 24 in this. Like, right in that spot where I think your vocals start to have their maturation. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know what I mean? Like, I think, I think as you hear artists, I think more commonly with female artists in this range, because male artists have their beginning of the mature earlier, as, yeah. you know, all that happens. Uh, this is where you really start, like, the early to mid-20s, like, women's voices really start to deepen and... I mean, not necessarily pitch deepen, but like timbre, sound yeah. deepen. It, mm-hmm. You know, it it feels like their there's instrument widens. See, there's more depth. Mm-hmm. That's a good way to put it. And I definitely feel like even in just the two year gap, you start to hear that with Florence. Uh, and I guess I Dance will take Fever. us into Dance Fever for the second time now. I was terrified as a Florence and the Machine album begins because for the first one. Biggest song, first track. Even though I knew Shake It Out was coming eventually, I'm like, what are we getting? What's the rest of this going to be? And now for Dance Fever, well, it's because it's called Dance Fever. Sure, sure. And I was like, you know what? So many years. It's been 11 years. Sure, you never know like, what direction. What could have happened? I haven't heard much from Florence and the Machine right. in 11 years, basically. Mm-hmm. Ugh, I was really worried. And I think what I got was... An album that experiments with so many different, like every every subgenre that has the word pop in it. Sure, Florence and the Machine played with in this album. Uh, I think you get a lot of like the progressive alt pop, um, a little bit of gothic, a little bit of folk, and I mean the genres are listed in the Wikipedia, mm-hmm. and yeah, I think you can like fully hear them. Yeah, but in this tra- in I would tra- say tra- with at, while at the same time. <clears throat> Always sounding exactly yeah. like what oh, Florence very, and the Machine sounds like. Yeah, it sounds yeah. very much like Florence and the Machine was doing this. Mm-hmm. So, and uh, a writer that we've worked with on the podcast, not a we worked times, with, yeah. but yeah, Jack Antonoff mm-hmm. uh, is involved with this. And again, another very popular writer-producer. And I think that 
it's not some he doesn't take over no no again enhances what what the vision already was right and i think as far as uh performance goes we're just as strong if not stronger here like i said this is about 11 years difference uh yeah 11 years 2011 2022 so really really interesting strong stuff from this group uh, as they have continued their maturation, her voice sounds smooth as silk on this album. Mm-hmm. And not in like mm-hmm. a produced way, in a no. way where you can fully hear, going directly from ceremonials to this, like a deeper maturation in her tone. Like I had mentioned, it started to. Now we're, we're fully fledged into the like mature woman sound oh, yeah. in her vocal. And you can, it's super lush. I think that's the good mm-hmm. word. It's lush. Good word, yeah. I agree. Yeah, her voice is killer. I mean, I think the songs are still really good. Um, the only question that I really have coming into this is like, who is really the machine at this point? Because it feels like Florence does <clears throat> the vocals. She's the main here person here. She does all of the string arrangements on this record, which I think is fantastic. Yeah, She contributes a little bit of percussion, a little bit of piano, a little bit of ac- acoustic guitar. And it's like Isabella Summers, who was initially doing a lot of that stuff with her, is only on backing vocals now. Robert Ackroyd, who is the guitarist in the group, is only credited for being on one track on the record. Uh, it's like kind of where is the it's it feels more like it's just Florence now in terms of like the role of the band, the machine. Sure. And I'll tell you that uh florence has like gone in interviews and stuff because i this was my group yeah yeah, the two yeah groups we covered this week, so i still really liked it i don't want to sound like i'm saying yeah. that and i didn't like the album no i thought the album was still very well done yeah i mean florence has said multiple times that one of the things she's appreciated most about like the core members of the band is that they get her process mm. and she's very clear to say that like they get her process they they can they like come into it and they just know what i want and like she's she comes with the music. Sure. She's like, I wrote these songs. Let's play them. Basically, is the kind of the way it goes. And I think, you know, she has an idea for things and then they, you know, embellish upon them in their own way. A lot of the way yeah. that like when we write a song, you know, you'll come with like this is the this is the chord progression I wrote. And like that's my job to then come up with a melody. Mm-hmm. And like vice versa. Sometimes I'll be like, hey, Nick, here's a voice recording of me going da 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 in like. And you make a song yeah. out of this with me. Right. So, like, you have, then it's your job. Like, I got to come mm-hmm. up with the chords. You made the melody. Like, <clears throat> I think that they work with that, but with Florence always being the person to present the ideas. Sure. Just the way that it's coming across. Right. Um, I guess I will just give my, my yeah. little facts here. Yeah, please. Uh, so, I did have as the most unique thing, uh, which you touched on, but it's definitely one of the more unique things, especially in pop music. This band does have a full time credited harpist. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't perform on every song, right. but he's a, a member of he's the band. Member of the harp and then other percussion, I guess, because right. it's not harp every time. You don't want him to get bored in the corner. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's a, a really, I think, a unique thing for I totally agree. especially a pop group. And I think that's one of those things that people in passing might not even realize that that's what they're listening to. But right. go back and listen to these tracks and you're like, oh, my God, that is a harp. That's exactly what that is. Yeah, and I think harp is one of those instruments that sadly because – a good harpist, you're not supposed to hear the plucking. You're just supposed yeah. to hear the like the sound yeah, yeah. has become more easy to fake because hmm. a lot of it's hard to fake guitar. Yeah, because a lot a lot more than you think of the sound of the guitar is the sound of the human being manipulating the strings. Sure, sure, yeah. And like you hear like the twang of the strings as the yeah. I mean, tone is tone is in the fingers, and I think yeah, at least a lot of guitarists you can just. By their approach to the instrument, the the exact vibrato that they're going to use, things yeah. like that, you can hear the difference person to person in the same way you can hear the different qualities of a voice. That's a great example. And just like it's usually pretty evident when there's not a person singing, you can kind of fake it uh, with the, the like the chorus keyboards. Mm-hmm. And it, but it, I mean, you can kind of hear that those aren't people. That doesn't sound yeah, like a sure. choir. It's mm-hmm. a sound. Yeah. I think harp is, is one of those instruments that is more easy to fake than others. So I'm really happy that they especially aren't. because of a lack of familiarity. True. You know? Great point. Like a big, it's everybody's heard a million guitar parts in their life. So you kind of know what a person playing the guitar sounds like. Not many people have heard harp that much. So you yeah. can probably fake it a little bit more easily. <laughs> Honestly, like I could probably be fooled a lot more easily with that than with a guitar. Sure. That makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, okay, I guess we'll go into. Uh, I'll tell you what for like the meanest, nicest. I didn't. I couldn't find anything for the meanest thing. I mean, this group seems to avoid controversy in yeah. a in a big way, uh, and I haven't seen anything to to the contrary. So I'm going to go ahead and abstain from the meanest thing they've done. Yeah, I do. I only pick one or the other, whichever I find, unless there's like two <laughs> glaring ones. Sure, I get that. I mean, usually if I'm going to pick a meanest, I'll try to also be like, sure. but also like they like puppies, you know, like something right. to balance it out. Uh, if their nicest thing, uh, maybe a little more, uh, I don't want to say plain, because that's not what I mean. But one of those things where it's like, this is a band that hasn't been around forever. Sure. And so uh, I'm just going to talk a little bit about their philanthropy. They do they do some charity work. They have some charity concerts. They have some. Alex is blowing up our yeah. group chat for the band right now. It's okay. <laughs> and it is. Oh, it's just funny because I'm trying to like play. I'm trying to play through it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Ignore it. Ignore it. Oh yeah. It's well. It's hard. <laughs> it's also popping up right on my monitor. Oh, I see. Because they're connected. Gotcha. Uh, but anyway, so uh, they, they work well with charity. Uh, one of the big charities that they include, uh, they work with, uh, is the Elton John AIDS Foundation, which is a really good foundation, a really strong foundation uh, for AIDS research and all of those things. Uh, and then another big thing for Florence and the Machine, Florence particularly publicly on stage, but the whole band supports LGBT and those and those and all of those uh, humans and their struggles, so... Big shout out to the two nicest things that they've done. Yeah, I can I can sense that we might be going in a similar direction with our two artists this week. <laughs> good, good, good. Uh, highlight uh, for the band, I would say that uh, the big highlight is Lungs, the album, uh, actually spent 65 consecutive weeks in the UK Top 40. That's Which made it uh, one of the best songs of the entire year. Pretty cool. Yeah, so I just, I think that was really cool. Uh, I'll give the six degrees real quick. So it would have it would have been smarter for me if you think about it, Nick. I w- to, I do think about it <laughs> to have the uh, the names uh, of the of my six degrees already up. Right? I would if have you thought think that, about that it. was smart. Yeah, uh, but and I remembered again. everything else but that. But what I can okay. tell you is uh, that there is an album uh, that came out, uh, the, a Buddy Holly basically tribute album huh. uh, called Rave on Buddy Holly. Sure, and it was about it was right around his seventy fifth birthday. It was meant to commemorate his seventy fifth birthday. Yeah. What it would have been right, and it came out in twenty eleven. And Florence and the Machine, uh, they recorded a cover of "Not Fade Away" for it. No kidding. So that is, I could okay, have I'm that gonna, be I'm the going to listen to that record now. I'm very yeah. curious. Oh, of course, it. I could have just had that be the six degrees, right? Yeah. But I will say some other people on this album opening track by the Black Keys. Oh, that's cool. a six degrees right there. Third track, It's So Easy by Paul McCartney. Oh, There's yeah, because right Paul McCartney owns the rights to all of Buddy Holly's music. So yeah, and he and he performed sense. on it. And then uh, one, another little... Oh, Julian Casablancas. Julia's Cas- Julian Casablancas is on this as well. Oh, cool. Famously of The Strokes, who we also Modest covered. Modest Mouse does That'll Be The Modest Day. Ma- I'm yeah, sure so basically them. we have just a big old pile of... Oh, that is Six so Degrees cool. of Totem Talks on I this album. I am absolutely going to And we can all skip later. track 15. Yes, I will not be listening to that one. Uh, track fifteen is, of course, by Child Stone. Yes, and and we're gonna let's be honest. It, the song is well, all right, great song. But Buddy Holly wrote it. Awesome. Blind Faith did a version that was pretty cool. Santana does the definitive version of that song. I'm like, yeah. like I I love Buddy Holly. I'm a huge Buddy Holly fan. But listen to the Santana cover from Inner Secrets. That's the best version of that song, and it's not even really close. Yeah, uh, that's absolutely fair. Uh, and then uh, the, the low light that I have, it's, listen, I want to be very clear. I think this is also a highlight, right? And I'm, a, and I, but I, but it's technically considered what most people would consider a low light. Sure. So in between, I believe it was their third and fourth album or their second and third album. The, the reports were kind of mixed, but there was an album and there took about a year extra and a year off basically. And that was for Florence herself to like privately recover from alcohol abuse. Mm. Uh, She basically said she started drinking uh, because she was, she had really bad stage fright Oh, and she was so shy. So she would drink before gigs and then, you know, would drink more and more and more to the point where uh, she and her friends and family felt it was abusive 
yeah. of alcohol. And so she took a year, got clean, is better. But and you love you to know, hear it. You love to hear it. It's a, it's a feel good moment. Absolutely, alcoholism is could be considered the low light of a band that sure, hasn't yeah. really had many low lights. I right. mean, like I said, this band is pretty much held in high regard, mm-hmm. favored, like esteemed. Yeah, they do. They do very well. Critically. They do well with charity. They do well in Britain. They've worked with uh, you know other prominent artists. Don't really have a big negative there. That would be what I had to go for. With. Sure, cool. And that's what I've got. Then we should move on to Slater Kinney. Slater Kinney is an American rock band that formed in Olympia, Washington in 1994. And they were active from 1994 to 2006, and then again from 2014 until the present day. Correct. We covered three albums. We started with Thank You, the eponymous debut album Slater Kinney from 1995. We, ra- we followed that up with... 1997's Dig Me Out, and then we closed things out with 2021's Path of Wellness. We did. And I'll tell you, this just to, just to give a little bit of insight into Nick and I's process. Of course. Uh, as the week goes. Now, Nick and I are friends. We'll chat. That's true. You know, I mean, we're both busy human beings, so yeah. we don't chat nearly as much as either of us would like anymore. Of course. But, I agree. But we still, uh, you know, we still find time. And our... Yeah entire uh collaboration on this week before coming live was literally this morning i texted nick like yo dig me out is what you did for slater kenny second right and he's like yep yeah yeah usually we confirm but i felt like this one was fairly clear cut exactly i it was with slater kenny it was pretty obvious with florence it was very obvious to me like Mm -hmm. so i didn't feel the need Right. Uh, just wanted to make sure. Yeah. Some weeks it's like, oh, was it this one or that one? But this week. Yeah. Was, and was some weeks up. it's honestly just entirely subjective. Exactly. <laughs> so Slater Kenny. Yes. So going into this album, really, they're already sort of like a, a, a niche super group. Right. Because the Riot Girl movement, like this movement of like feminism and punk kind of intertwined music and and philosophy was going on in in the late 80s early 90s especially in um the pacific northwest in the same place where grunge was being developed around a similar time uh and you got uh corinne tucker who was coming from the group heavens to betsy and carrie brownstone who was coming from excuse 17 both of which were like fairly successful groups within that genre Uh, and they come together to to form what is arguably maybe the most successful and influential riot girl act that there ever was for this, for this particular genre of music. Um, But this album is not enjoyable to listen to. Uh, The production quality is not great. The playing is sloppy at times, but I do think that that's all intentional, you know, like at the end of the day, this is, it's a very short album. It's 22 minutes. It's, it's very punk. It's very non-mainstream. And there are a lot of things, like, just in terms of the audio itself, to be like, huh, eh, I don't know about that. But I know, as a listener also, this is very specifically the aesthetic that they wanted. The, The success of this album is that they created an album that sounded like who they wanted to be. The issue with this album is who they wanted to be is a band that doesn't sound very good to listen to for most people. And I mean, I think there there basically and a lot of the songs are really short, less than two minutes. The second track, which is three minutes, is the thing I think is closest to like a fully developed song. The day I went away, that if I had to re-listen to any of the songs from this album, it would be that one for sure. But I didn't really enjoy it. It's not for me. Yeah. Um, listen, I try. I, I struggle to always remain as impartial as possible. And not let myself be swayed by anything in terms of strictly musical opinion now. Yeah. Liking or disliking an artist uh, is different. But the music is, is pretty pretty objective to me, even though it's a very subjective category. Very. Uh, and this album sucks. <laughs> like, whether they want it to suck or not, cool. Right. If you want it to suck, then you succeeded. If you didn't want it to suck, then you failed. 
and that's that's what I was trying to put very artfully. You know, it's sure it is the album they wanted to make, but it is not the album I wanted to listen to. <laughs> right, but like, let me put it to you this way: I I feel like I'm putting as much effort into reviewing this album as they put into making it. It suck it bad. Next, all right, fair enough. Dig I, me out. Just, there we go. Dig me out. Uh, you know, not not that far after. Only only two years. Um, and. A little bit longer, so we were at 22 minutes for the first album, which is short for an yeah, album. Yeah, which was nice. Which was nice for the quality of the album, correct. Exactly. We're up to 36 minutes. I was a little apprehensive. <sighs> Let me put it... I mean, this is not a good album. Let me be clear. It's not an album that I enjoyed, and it's not an album that I'll listen to again. I don't enjoy Slater Kenny. I think the whole movement of this genre is to feel a similar emotion to the artist. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's about the music sounding good, as I've gathered the more I've listened to it. And that's fine. But obviously, we can discuss the movement behind. You already mentioned some of it. We can discuss right. more. But objectively, as music, it's bad. There's one thing on this album that I think saves me from saying it's the same as the first album and having it be a little better. And that is the second subgenre on this album is blues rock Hmm. and it's subtle yeah it's subtle but it's there in the guitar Mm -hmm. and it's just enough it's like it's like i'm drowning in an ocean of bad and somebody threw me like one floaty so i'm not gonna drown and die but i'm certainly not like living my best life and surviving Mm -hmm. this yeah and that's the best thing i think i could say sure and I'm going to try to be a little bit positive here as well. Uh, so first of all, this album is iconic in a number of ways. It was number 189 on Rolling Stone's top 500 records of all time. Uh, I, I mean, critically, it's very highly acclaimed. It's been on a bunch of lists for top of the year, top of the decade, etc. Uh, also, the album cover is fairly iconic. The uh, The three members of the band, headshots small at the top, and then the picture of one of them. I'm not even sure which one of the guitarists playing a Dan Electro, um, the Black Dan Electros. It's a fairly iconic album cover from the 90s. And I think through and through, record to record, you have much stronger, more developed ideas, complete song ideas here that maybe weren't nearly as present on the first record. Uh, And overall, as a record, I think it's a big improvement for this band. And I also did not enjoy it. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I think all of that can be true. Yeah. I think... think (laughs) There's a reason why this is their most acclaimed record for sure. Like, I totally get it at the time. I, and, and you know, like, I get the band. I get their idea. I get their fan base. But I don't enjoy listening to it. It's one of those things where, like, I totally get the movement. I understand why it's a thing. I totally understand their politics and everything else. But I don't enjoy listening to the to the yeah. songs. Um, I, think, I think that's totally understandable. Yeah. And, and, and I, I think... Go ahead. I think because you're gonna say you're gonna move on, and that's totally fine. Like this album with its its critical darlingness as and Mm -hmm. all of the lists and everything, it reminds me so much of like Pavement. Sure, like another band from the same time period who all the critics are like, "This is the greatest thing ever," and I'm like, "Is this music?" I know. I don't quite get that bad for for in the nineties. They really nailed nailed it with Radiohead. Like that was right on everything else. I just I feel like I feel like a crazy person sometimes because like when you go back and look at like famous bands from certain decades and like I understand I have a different time period yeah, yeah. ear mm-hmm. but I all at the same time like take me back to the 70s I get it I'm with you. I'm with you, 70s people. Yeah. I'm with you, 60s people, 50s people. And honestly, a lot of the 90s people. Like, I'm with grunge, you. I'm on board with. Yeah. The alternative rock of the 90s, I'm on board with. Like, I can come up with a ton of albums and groups from the 90s that I absolutely love. But some of the stuff that, that made its way through is critical. Um, yeah, it's critical, weird. Like, highly rated, I don't get. You know what? Yeah. I, that's okay. I feel but like anyway, I both made myself sound a yeah. hundred and five at the same yes. time there by being like it's too old for me and also like sixties. Yeah. These damn kids. Um, 
But anyway, what I wanted to say, the one last thing before I move on to Path of Wellness, is in both of these records, I felt like there were at least times where I'm like, they're probably better musicians than what's on the record. There were times when I felt like, this is sloppy on purpose, but I bet you're better than that. Or you're screaming right now, but I bet you if you tried, the vocals would sound a lot better on that. Yeah. Um, So I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Right. I feel like there's a little bit more talent available to these musicians sure than what we see on the records than what's actually performed which honestly like like i said making the conscious choice to sound bad is a choice is a choice and i get it <laughs> we had it i'm i'm completely forgetting who it is now but it's it's a very similar situation to me it was a, it was a male mm-hmm. and he set out to sound bad on his first album on purpose and you were like raving about it. I was like, I feel like a crazy person because this was terrible and everyone else loves it. And I hated it. Right. I cannot remember who it is right now. I'm not sure off the top of my head. Oh my gosh. It's, it's going to bug Go back me through my notes forever. It was like, it was a while ago. Yeah. Okay. Well, I have everything from season one, episode 10 to the present in this notebook. Well, then it's probably in there. Yeah. Anyway, Path of Wellness. So at this point, there's three stable members of Slater Kinney. Janet Weiss, the drummer, has left the group. And she's left the group basically for a difference in direction, feeling like they were not going the same way creatively. I I don't get the sense that there's animosity. Um, It sounded like the other members really wanted her to stay and they wanted to be together, but they just artistically felt very different. And I will say that this was my favorite of the three albums. Um, they lean a little bit more indie rock than punk rock here um, compared to the first two records. And again, for the like as we've progressed, the songs feel like more fully fleshed ideas than ever before. Um, it felt like they were going to write songs instead of just like, let's just scream about things we're angry about for a minute or two minutes. I didn't love this record, though. Like, th- I would not listen to it again. Um, like if somebody had it on, I would be like, all right, it is what it is. Like, it's just something that's on in the background. Yeah. But like, I didn't, I, I think the top three in terms of pure listenability albums this week were the three Florence and the Machine albums, like by a fair margin. Yeah. But I, I do think agree. that each Slater Kinney album got easier to listen to. Uh, and for whatever, like that was, I guess that direction of, I guess maybe a little bit more commercial, a little bit more something that people could hear and enjoy more so than like the riot girl punk movement which is very niche yeah i I liked it more than the first two albums but i didn't like it i don't know what else to say (laughs) (laughs) listen i totally get it i totally get it uh yeah listen i echo a lot of what you're saying it was the best of the three but it was just all right Right. <laughs> At best. I mean, you you said a lot of things that I agree with. I don't really disagree with you, so I'm not going to sure. just repeat your words. I would just like to say this isn't my style of music, and that's yes. fine. I don't need to like every style yeah, of music. Yeah, and, and I totally get it. Like I said before, like with Slater Kenny, I understand their place in culture, and it makes it makes total sense to me, the whole movement. At larger than music. Yeah. But I don't want to listen to the music. Sure. I, I totally get it. Yeah. All right. So let me talk a little bit about them. Absolutely. I'm going to get to their low light first because it was really difficult to come up with anything to go Okay. With. So I think it was essentially the breakup of the band. Like they were not together all the way through, but they were together um, for a while throughout the 90s and into the 2000s. And uh, from 1994 to 2006 and 2014 to the present, to be very specific. Sure. And everything seemed to be going well. But in the late 20 teens, that is when Janet Weiss left the group because they just felt like they were not on the same page musically anymore. She felt like her input into the direction of the music was not, uh, you know, in line with what Carrie and Corinne wanted. Okay. And I think for them, losing that original trio that was the band for so long, that was this, you know, fairly iconic within a, within a small group, I understand. But definitely, if you're someone who's like really into music, this is a movement you at least know of. And Slater Kinney is probably the band that you think of when you think of this movement. Uh, so that breakup is their low light. Sure. What's unique about them is the other two members of the band, uh, Carrie Brownstein and Corinne Tucker, both play guitar. There is no huh. bassist. There is no bass 
in Slater Kinney. But what they do is they both tune their guitars. Now, standard guitar is tuned to E. Uh, and they tune all the way down to D flat, which is three half steps lower. And it's it's a lot closer to bass. It's starting to approach that range of sound. Yeah. While not all the way down there. And I think the fact that they both tune to D flat, it, they're both sort of like finding a middle ground and playing two distinct guitar parts. One um, off the top of my head, I want to say it's Corinne Tucker who who tries to play a little bit more like a bass and style versus Brownstein who plays a little bit more like guitar and style. I'm not 100% sure on that. But they try to to make the two guitar parts both lower and also maybe a little bit more imitative of what a bass might be doing um, in a rock band that had a bass. So that's pretty unique. That's Although, of course, Florence and the Machine also doesn't have steady bassists, but whatever. Uh, it's not a normal thing in music to not have a bassist if you're, yeah. if you're a band. Now, our six degrees... Carrie Brownstein went to Lake Washington High School uh, in, of course, Washington State, where they're from. Other people who went to that high school include Robin Pecknold and Skylar Skelset of Lead Foxes. Lead Foxes. And also Dan Colucci of Modest Mouse. And also, not really a six degrees, but Jeffrey Dean Morgan, the actor. They all went to the interesting. same high school. Go figure. Um, so I thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, the highlight, I think, of this band's career, though, is I mentioned that Dig Me Out is very highly rated uh, in terms of all-time albums, 189 on Rolling Stones list. But uh, another music publication, Stereo Gum, referred to them as the greatest rock band of the last 20 years uh, in an article they published in 2015. So to be considered the greatest rock band of the last 20 years, I would call that a, a fairly high achievement or definitely something that you would call uh, one of the, the high points of your career, if somebody referred to you that way, especially a music publication. Uh, and then, of course, I'll wrap things up with the, the meanest slash nicest. I went with the nicest. And they are another group that's done a lot of philanthropy. They've uh, released um, songs and also done benefit concerts where like all the proceeds go to different charities. And amongst the things that they've supported include um, groups that work for abortion rights, Black Lives Matter, Planned Parenthood, the ACLU, um, and several other groups sort of like that. Sure. So that's kind of their thing. That's exactly what you would expect a group like this to do um, based on what the whole movement is about in terms of their politics. Right. Stop sending me the lyrics to virtual insanity. God damn it. Because <laughs> I can't get it out of my head now. <laughs> I love that song, man. And what the music doing? video is so good. You keep sending me the lyrics to Virtual Insanity. You How think do you that's me? You think that's me? Oh, I guess you're not Jamiroquai. Did Jamiroquai show up? You're not. <laughs> okay. I just thought you changed your name to Jamiroquai. Are you getting these messages? <laughs> of course I'm getting all the messages. I'm getting uh, more than that. Don't worry. It. We'll it's discuss. Alex. Okay. Okay. It's Alex. Um, Let's just move on to scoring these groups. Okay. Well, let's grade them. So cultural impact. I think we've got two very different factors at play. For Florence, they actually they did very well commercially. First record, three million yeah. sold worldwide. Second record, two million. Third, uh, one million, etc. So, like a lot of popular success. Yes, and a couple around the world. big popular hits yeah. in mold. I mean, Dog Days Are Over has been in. I'm probably not exaggerating when I say 10 big mainstream films, TV shows sure. as like pivotal song, as like a pivotal song. So, right. And same for Slater Kinney, it's very Shake much that, that creation of a new area of music. It's the influence. It's the critical success. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's also, in some ways, Carrie Brownstein being very famous for the television show Portlandia. That with is Fred Armisen. another part of it as well. Yeah. Uh, that definitely, I think, helps them because I feel like the the vibe of that television show, if you ever watch Portlandia, is also fairly similar to the vibe that Slater Kinney gives off. <laughs> yeah, I would yeah. agree. A little yeah. more endearing, but yes, yeah, yes, yes. But like the the culture of it, the the politics of it, feel the same. I get that. I'm with you. But anyway, at the end of the day, <coughs> that actually probably puts me at fairly similar scores here for different reasons. Similar for different, scores, yeah, I agree. exactly. But not like crazy high scores either. No, I, I mean we're maybe I'll, looking under the average. I think for the most part you're right, especially with the average of the 
artists that we do because that is a lot of what this is. We, you know, obviously, yeah, if you compare Florence and the Machine to Joe, the guy who makes the sandwiches at the deli, there are 10 in terms of the, yes. the effect they've had on the entire world, like people right. knowing their name. But we're comparing Florence and the Machine to the Beatles and to like exactly. Elton John and to Led Zeppelin and... You know, I'm thinking somewhere in the threes. How do you feel I, about this? I think the threes are a great spot. And maybe I think, even like the, the three and a half region is where both of these groups belong. Yeah. I So I, I what I had for them mm-hmm. is I had Slater Kenny at a 3.5 and Florence Machine at a 3.4. And I love it. I'm yeah. going to go with exactly that. Right. Very similar for different reasons. But I think they've affected yes. the world circles similarly so florence has five records so that starts from a 4.3 uh and the sales i think definitely give them a little bit of a bump they're definitely above average in terms of sales multiple platinum records records, yeah and so i'm willing to go to like a 4.6 and i like them and i think i'm going to give them two point uh like 0.2 so i'm going to take them to a 4.8 yeah, and you know what? Uh, mathematically, it works out to a five then, because I also want to give them a point two. I think perfect. I think they, I think they were really enjoyable all the way through. Absolutely. And no. we have all the way up to a point five there. We never really yes, gone to the, all the way. No, but, I, I, I save the point five for me yeah. personally. It's the kind of thing that I would use for like the Beatles, Pink Floyd, Led Zeppelin. Yeah, like the point five is like I, I like have to desperately want to hear yes, more from this. Artist. I could not live without this artist. Yeah. Under, yeah, I'm with you on that. Yeah, I was 100%. more. I like. How if you I really me. love an artist, but they're not in my like top ten to fifteen of all time, I'll give yeah. them a point four. Yeah, I, I I love that you answered me when I was more telling our listeners that. Uh, oh, Nick. sorry. As a reminder yes. of what we do every but once in a while. But I was just trying to throw out the way that I think of the the scoring. Like I don't know if three. you should scare uh, the lovely listeners with the way that either of us think. Thank you. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> I don't. I mean, they they would just walk in and it's raining blood. Uh, time and, to go. Get yeah, out. it's like ah, turn let's around, just close this door. Okay, Slater Kinney, ten records, five and a half points. Sales not great. Minimal. I don't think they affect, or, or they don't positively affect. That's yeah. For sure. The question is whether they negatively affect. I mean, they've had a lot of records, so they're dig me out's one hundred and thirty thousand copies. Then they have uh, four more records with ninety thousand or more. So that's more than one gold record. I think their total discography, like Ulm, is close to two golds. Like if we went down to five point four, I wouldn't be angry. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think, but I wouldn't go down much. You know, no, that's not no, that's not what will take points away. I don't. Yeah, but it is it is something that Florence in Florence in just lungs outsold the entire discography of Slater Kinney. Absolutely, very worth considering. I'm gonna take away only point one. Because I think what they do is artistically valid and, um, you know, definitely culturally valid, just not my portion of culture. I didn't like any of the records, so I still want to kind of put that into the score. But I totally get why they are what they are and the success that they've had. Listen, I'm with you on that. My issue with that is, like, Breath of Work, I think you incorporate, at least for me sales and sure. and and then quality. Mm-hmm. And those are the two bars with which I judge this. Uh, of course. And so I'm taking away Yeah, you know, I'm taking away 0. 0.3. Okay. I like really like, I they again, if the band themselves were doing it and that was the point was to sound bad for the mm-hmm. message and the meaning and the movement, then they should appreciate this because they clearly did their job. Like, I didn't enjoy the music. You didn't want me to. Right. But if you did want me to and I didn't, then it's it's still a justified point three gone. Like, I honestly, like, I don't I don't know if I have an artist that I can think of off the top of my head that I would take away the full point five for. But just in terms of right. like getting like a point four for me would be like Sleepy Time Gorilla Museum. Right. I understand fully what you mean. Yeah. Like, so they're not quite at that like level. Very, very choosy with the point fives. Yes, and I also desperately try to not because there are some artists that I just hate the person. Yeah, I'm like right, I won't give you not, the point five here just because yeah. I just because you're Ted Nugent. I'm not going <laughs> to take away. Yeah, right there you go. Reminder that he exists. You know what? And also, I say this: fuck Jerry Lee Lewis. <laughs> fuck Jerry Lee Lewis. <laughs> I man. hate that guy. 
<laughs> Important to include in every episode at some point. Yeah, of course. It's like it's like our little Easter egg. It is. Where will they say fuck Jerry Lee Lewis <laughs> next? Uh, okay. Uh, are we done with that? We can move on. To I, so I, that's a full, that's a, we started yeah, at five I, point. There, yeah. You got we're we're five. We're at a flat five. We're at a five. Uh, wow. Interesting. It worked out mm-hmm. that way. So instrumental talent, the machine is fine. The machine, I, I, I could take or leave the points there. The uniqueness is more than the actual talent. Florence sure. is incredible. Florence and she is has fantastic. just gotten stronger yeah. and stronger. Yeah. And I'm stronger. so impressed with her voice from album to album. Yeah. I'm definitely giving at least a full point for Florence. And I could not agree more. I think her voice has the two, like, really strong things as a vocalist. Like, one of the things as a vocalist that you really can't control too much is uniqueness. Mm -hmm. You can control more than you think your technique and your talent. Mm -hmm. Like... Mm -hmm. People who are marginally talented with the right technique and control of can their voice make their can make a lot better. Exactly. Oh yeah. But I but like unique, pure unique sound is rare. Yes. And she absolutely has it. It's instantly recognizable as her. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah, I think a six is yeah, and at least where we got to go. Lil. Yeah. And the power are both there, and they can both be there in the same song in the same phrase. And she and it never sounds forced, which never. is very important. Yeah. Okay, so I'm giving a six. Slater Kenny, here's the thing. I mentioned in my review of the records that I felt like there was maybe more talent there than what we heard on the record. The best we heard on the record was like a run of the mill five. The worst we heard on the record was like fairly sloppy and not sounding yeah. great. And I understand that that's what they wanted specifically, but for this category, it it just has to hurt them. I it think does, it has to knock them down at least closer to four. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think putting them at a four would be totally fine for me. Yeah, I, I don't, I, yeah, I still feel like we're being a little generous. The respect I have for this group, yeah, as I, individuals and as artists, while also making it clear that it was not the kind of thing I enjoyed at all. Yeah, I think if we listen, and you know, if people listen to the show, they know us well enough. They kind of know our views and where we stand on these sort of situations. We, you know, there's just some things that even if you respect what totally. you're going for, right. I have to judge you on the product. Like mm-hmm. I have to judge you on the work. Yes. You know, that's... To my ear, at least. And right. some people may totally hear it differently, but... Of course. That's the point. Though. Yes, exactly. And we want that discussion. We want people 100%. to be like, you're effing crazy. Slater Kinney is, the, you know, on the Mount Rushmore of greatest bands of all time. Exactly. Why do you think that? plenty of people who feel that way. Yeah. And like, why do you think that? Like, let us know. Yes. You know, I'm I'm not saying you'll necessarily change our minds, but it's lovely right. to have, you know, an opinion and get to hear other people's opinions. Mm-hmm. Songwriting. Okay. <laughs> I think the knock on Florence and the Machine is that a lot of their tracks are co-written by outside entities who are not part of the band. And I the get positive that. is that it is so incredibly unique and also consistent. Uh, and that the, they can cover 10 different genres in a record and have it all sound like nothing else except for what yeah. you think Florence and the Machine sound like. It, I don't even know how to explain it better than that. Yeah. They, they are so good at having their whole discography feel so authentically their own voice, no matter who else is working on well, it. Well, interestingly them. enough, Nick, because I, I had thought this early on in my listening to Florence, mm-hmm. and you and I completely forgot. I didn't write it down or anything. And then earlier you mentioned Robin Pecknold. Yes. Like that is something that Fleet Foxes also did. A hundred percent. Where immediately like I'm like, oh, that's Fleet Foxes. Whenever I have my like general because I have like a uh, what I call my podcast playlist. Mm -hmm. And it's like any artist that I like or enjoy, I'll throw like two or three songs on. I don't throw a whole bunch of albums. I don't want it to be a 12 hour long. Yeah. But like I'm like, okay, cool. Like I'll throw on like two or three. Mm -hmm. And like whenever Fleet Foxes, I half listening. I'm like, ah. That's Fleet Foxes. And they are so good, man. Yeah, of course. Love Fleet Foxes. <laughs> Dude, so do I. But, you know, back to Florence the Machine on this one. Uh, I think it's that similar thing. The uniqueness of sound. I think you really get to hear how much of, you know, Florence particularly yeah. comes through even when working with these other producers. And it seems you know to what? me. We haven't mentioned and I want to get this yeah. too. Like, we've mentioned both the uniqueness of the group and the uniqueness of Florence's particular vocal quality, but not the fact that the two of them, like, they mesh perfectly. 
Yeah. Because you can have a very unique vocalist and maybe not necessarily nail the style that would match best with the timbre of their voice. This is not that case. Like, this is the perfect combination of a unique sounding band and a unique sounding vocalist where the sound, it, they're, they are meant <coughs> for each other. Exactly. I, and you can look at that like kind of like the yin to our yang. Yeah. Because we are just a very plain band uh, who perfectly matches a very plain sounding vocalist. Like it's a very plain. <laughs> we're all just super plain. Yeah. No, actually, like I think, I think one that's one of the things that I appreciated the most about our first album was not every song. I mean, there's one particular that I don't think fits I us know as a group. What you mean. Uh, but I think like for the most part, listening to them, and you know, I'll listen to them every once in a while. Yeah, uh, I usually will listen to Lifetime, like the album, mm-hmm. when I'm starting to write, like write when I sit down to okay. write. I'm like, it's because it's like, here's where I'm coming from. Yeah, let's let's build on that mentally. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I I just think that they fit like each individual part fits so well as a as a unit, which is is rare. Yeah, I would be okay being in the sixes, honestly. In with Lawrence, yeah, yeah, I I think that's a good spot. I think. I think probably maybe the lower half of the sixes for volume wise. But they like, deserve to be there, yeah. Yeah, I think maybe like a six two. I think is a good spot. All right, let's do that. And Slater Kenny, and I don't want to be dismissive because I didn't like it. All three records were different. They were indistinguishable, and the sound that they cultivated was unique and is iconic of a genre. But it's not. That's the positive. But it's not pleasant yeah. to listen to. Right. So the question is. Does the positive of the uniqueness and clear growth even into a genre we don't like fully just balance out the fact that it sounds bad? I would be okay if into that was a the five. Case. I would be totally fine if that was the case. Uh, you, you know what? I'm going to say two things. One, I agree we should put them at a five. And I think, two, I think this podcast has really shown, like, uh, we've, we've, we've grown a lot uh, throughout I the agree. course of this show, especially as, like, you know, judges basically as, yeah, as, as the 100%. the adjudicators of these groups i think uh you know it would be so easy i think season one us would just be trashing slater kinney yeah and like they sounded like garbage not like garbage they sounded like yeah. terrible stuff right and uh i'm just proud of us that's all a little bit of moment of pride for, oh, for the two thanks. of us as people yeah we did we did good we hit 30 and we mellowed out yeah Poetic talent, I also think there are positive things to say about both of these groups. Sure. I mean, I know you mentioned the one thing that you thought was a little bit questionable in the first Florence and the Machine album. Yeah. But I do also think that that's possible, that that is just writing a character and putting the totally audience in a situation. And again. Essentially, to to think about where where would you be in in this situation? What would you do? Part of that is definitely just, for me, like the the... the bringing me back to a show like carousel and that i mean that's very divisive and visceral in that moment as well like it's it's not something that is talked about maybe enough and i think if that's what it's if that's what florence is going for here i get it and i understand it just was a moment of discomfort on the album that i wasn't expecting especially from an artist like a pop artist You, you don't typically at least in my experience you don't typically expect to have to feel those kinds of emotions. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's part of what, what it was. And it's not really a negative, more just like I wanted to bring to light like a moment that like threw me off on the album. Yeah, um, but I, I'm above average. I don't I'm know above about average you. as well. Yeah, okay. I am. I think, you know, you have, if you listen to like some of the more metaphorical lyrics, like even, you know, I lampooned it, but mm-hmm. uh, dog days are over. Yeah. Like, that first line, happiness hits her like a train on the track. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's such, it paints the picture of, like, happiness is a positive. You're happy, mm-hmm. and then a very negative visual, mm-hmm. like, of this woman yeah. feeling happy getting hit by a train. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I think Florence toes that line, you know, and as I mentioned with, uh, with Kiss with a Fist, like, she toes that line of, like, a positive sound, even in the music, and, like juxtaposing that with lyrics that kind of throw you through a loop yeah so i think i was i was always above average for florence yeah 100 percent. uh how much above average were you thinking i'm not quite in the six range personally i think that there are moments and i think she plays she dances around the line very well but i do think that 
that sometimes you can get a little repetitive mm-hmm. in the songs, and I think that kind of pulls away from it. Uh, but I'm fine going like a five seven, and that's exactly what I was thinking. I was yeah, I think that's a that really good up. spot for her. Yeah, and then and, the whole band. Yeah, and now I think Slater Kenny is a little different in the sense that they are also solid in this category, but. V- more emotional and simplistic than they yeah. are metaphorical. The word but that it's I not bad to be simplistic but emotional if you found the right combination of words. I want to make sure I'm going to pull up my notes. I've been just yeah. remembering my notes. Yeah, the word sure. that I put for them as songwriting was visceral. Yeah, yeah, I think, I th- that's, that's, I think that's it's it's very in your face. Mm-hmm. They're not hiding behind anything. They're not. Yep covering what up what they're saying they're very boom this is what i'm saying to you here's my message and i respect that and i think it yeah. is done well and i think even some of the messages that i don't fully get or maybe agree with or disagree with i don't know right. i understood and can appreciate emotionally yeah yeah so i think uh, again above a five is in order i think that's yeah. totally fair for this group it's it's their strength. Are you in a similar place? Are you a little lower? Or you... I'm maybe slightly lower. I think that while I respect and appreciate the like the fortitude it takes to do that, it is a little easier to do that than to, you know, dance the line between positive and negative and matching it, you know, against itself and against the music. So I'd be a little lower, maybe like a five four, five five range. I'll throw a five five their way okay. and let's talk X Factor. I don't know that there was any for Florence and the Machine. Do you feel? Well, here's where I want to take a moment. Okay. And just, it's more of a of a fun fact, I would say. Sure. Uh, but how Florence and the Machine got their name. So Florence originally had been making, she'd been making music long before Florence and the Machine, and she'd been making music with someone very specific, Isabella Summers, who is still in Florence and the Machine, keyboardist, backing vocalist and they go and they were originally a duo and they were called Florence Robot because that was Florence's stage name in the very beginning okay was Florence Robot and Isabella Machine huh okay so that's what the two of them so eventually more people came on and it was you know they were all they dropped she dropped the robot because because eventually it become Florence Robot and her machines. Okay. When there was more than one pe- person. Gotcha. And then it got shortened to Florence and the Machine. So when you had said cool. during the initial grading of the albums, yeah. who really is the machine here? Really, it's Isabella Summer. Yeah, you're right. She's the machine. She yeah. was the machine when the name came to be. Okay. So I'm not saying it's worth any points. I just. Yeah, it's cool. It felt like the place to put yeah. it. Okay. Um, here's what I'll say for Slater Kinney. You got Portlandia, which is definitely a very successful television show, in ter- sure. at least very critically well-received. Um, and you've got, while they are not the originators of Riot Girl as a genre, they are definitely like the most famous group, the group that brings the genre most closest to the public eye. Okay. And whatever, I mean, I don't know what that's <clears throat> necessarily worth, but those are the two things that I can definitely think of. Uh, when I think of this group. Listen, I think we can give a little bit for Portlandia. We did kind of mention that in Cultural Impact. Sure. 100%. So you don't want to fully sometimes double the, dip. they overlap. Yep. Right. You don't want to fully double dip, but sometimes they overlap. I, I'm willing to give a little bit for the 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 scene that they kind of sharpened popularized, and cultivated, yeah. popularized. Um, I know you had, you know, they had all come from other acts in that mm-hmm. Riot Girl yeah. thing and you'd mentioned like the super groupness of them within right. that genre. I think we could comfortably give them maybe like a point three. I'll do it. That's perfect. And that gives me some final scores. And I can tell you this episode was within three points exactly. Fascinating. And the uh final score is winning this week with a twenty six point three. Winner winner chicken dinner. Is Florence in the machine. Sure. And I think we are are very comfortable with that. And then in second place out of two is Slater Kinney with a 23.3. Silver medal ain't always bad. No, it's not. It's not. Uh, you know, we pin them up we, against each other. But... Yeah. I don't think we could have been any clearer about our respect for the artists that we didn't enjoy listening to. 
I, I think realistically, I mean, I'm not kidding you. The respect we have for that group probably added at least at least eight points to their score. <laughs> yeah. You're, like just you're us right. being like, you know what? We totally get it, but also bad. Ugh, yeah. Like we get it, but yeah. do we get it? You're right. I so I I'm I'm fine with where we landed. And you know what? Come back next week because we are pinning two cool groups from the '70s who were one-hit wonders up against each other. So it'll be a battle of the one-hit wonders. I'm in. Yeah, I'm in. Well, I'll listen. Yeah, I. I mean, uh, listen. I'll, I'll clear my schedule for it. Yeah, I, I think that'll absolutely. be a good time. Uh, thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in once again. Always a pleasure to have you here with us. Uh, thank you to our live audience. Uh, thank you to Jamiroquai for the yeah. the mid podcast video submission. Uh, always an absolute blast and pleasure. Uh, please, uh, on your way out the door tonight, uh, please like anything that allows you to like it with us. Uh, comment where commentable. Uh, subscribe where subscribable. Uh, rate where rateable. And while you're doing all those ubbles, have a great day. Yeah.